Greetings, Grapple fans, and welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something's Match of the Week series, where either myself, Lorcan Mullen, or my co-host, Simon Cross, pick a match from the history, the back catalogue of professional wrestling from around the world for us both to watch and discuss. And maybe we chose it for historical reasons, personal reasons, that it's one of those long intended to watches. Maybe to reflect somewhere that the wrestling landscape seems to be at this very moment in time as to, in order to reach comparison. Uh, maybe there's a bit of all that in this in the next one. I have gone on a little journey around the world. Both of us have, really. We started off with a couple of matches in America. Then we moved over to Mexico. Then Japan. And now, here we are, back home in the UK, for match number five. It's Les Kellett versus... Leon Arras, better known as the British character actor, Brian Glover. It's ITV Entertainment. There's loads of little old ladies and men in in a smoke-filled town hall. It's British (laughs) wrestling. And it's Bradford versus Barnsley. So, Simon, we obviously... Well, maybe not obviously to some of our listeners, but one of the first miniseries special things we did to get away from the usual let me tell you something format was to uh, review all of the episodes of the returning world of sport wrestling for our sins so there's a very nostalgic glow when a certain generation talk of british wrestling and one of the first names will very often come up when they talk about it will be les kellett a man who sort of his, his reputation came back into prominence in later years when world of sport wrestling was more readily available for a lot of people like americans really started to get into it and then practitioners of the craft like Zack Sabre Jr. and before him Doug Williams started to make inroads in the American indie scene. Maybe most noticeable of all is that Colt Cabana, one of the most popular wrestlers on the independent scene, maybe one of the most important figures in modern day wrestling and where we are today, cites Les Kellett as his main inspiration, as basically his favourite wrestler. So that was certainly a reason enough for me to want to look into his stuff before this, and I have done. And I thought this was the best match to pick, because it is very often cited as possibly the the best of the comedy uh, world of of British wrestling, you know, the world of Les Kellett and, and Cat Weasel and the like. So, Simon, how about you? What did you know of Les Kellett going into this, and what were you curious to find out? In terms of what I knew, I, I only really had like known the comments like Holt had made. But British wrestling as a whole, whenever you speak to like a grandparent, they always talk about like world of sport. Like when you when you mention the word wrestling, yeah. and one of the cultural shocks when I first started getting into wrestling, whenever my mum and my grandma saw me watch WWF or WWE. Anytime, like, a wrestler would, like, leave the ring and go around the ringside area. Oh, you couldn't do that back in the day. And mm. like, stuff like that would always get said. Yeah. So it was this, like, old, like, mystical thing to me. Yeah. I think there's significance in the fact that one of the people in this is Brian Glover, Arras. He actually gained a lot more success, not in wrestling, but as an actor. And he first came to prominence when he played a very, I don't know if authoritative is the right word, but very eccentric, maybe, PE teacher in Ken Loach's 1968 classic Kess, where he 
is refereeing a football game, but seems far more intent to score the goals than he is to referee the match. And that was a couple of years before this match happened, so he was obviously still doing the British circuit, but at the same time, he has quite an impressive acting career if you look into his Wikipedia page. Probably the other most famous role he had to people who would know him through film and TV is that he was in Alien 3. I think he was like the head prison guard on the prison ship that uh, the Xenomorph and and Ripley end up on in 3. And I think he gets caught very early on by the Xenomorph in that film. But he's around long enough to be a, you know, David Fincher's first film as a director as well. Uh, like I said on the previous episode, he also, I knew him as well for the uh, his leading role in the very brief BBC drama series centred around the world of British wrestling in the mid-90s called Rumble. Uh, which he co-starred in with Leslie Joseph from Birds of a Feather. Ah, uh, little uh, nostalgic uh, yeah. callback there. I guess so. I remember the promotion that they ran was called Raw, Real American Wrestling. <laughs> that's, what I remember. that's one of the other things I remember about it. I might try and track it down, see if we can do like a special episode about it or something like that. Maybe a crossover with Best of Worst of British might be in order. My other, Potentially. My other podcast. This is, not only is this comedy wrestling, this is pantomime. This really oh, is definitely. like old British. In many ways, he's playing his character from Kess, the self-important, overconfident, brash, loudmouth, who's getting upturned at every moment. It's, it's classic, you know, it's what Python was all built around. You know, someone, a figure of authority, just not being respected at all by yeah. the cheeky people that he sees as underneath him. Like the scamps. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah. Like they make a point that this is a catchweight bout. Glover is noticeably taller and bigger than... than I think Kess. it's a stone in different... No, I think it's at like, least. Don't they say it's four stone or something like that? Could have I don't know if it's four. This was at a time where there were, there were a lot of weight divisions in British wrestling. But you would get catchweight contests. Well, despite the, the panto stuff you'd occasionally get, it was very much kayfabe. Well, that was, that was, oh, that's the interesting what? point, because obviously Colt Cabana has been hated on by figures such as Jim Cornette's who hate comedy wrestling for the most part. But I think you can argue throughout this match, there's no real shattering of an illusion. Of <clears> which. <throat> it is a competitive contest, but Les Keller is a bit of a character, and so is Brian Glover. Kind of like, you know, the cheeky schoolboy. And he almost has like that schoolboy, even though like, at, at this point Les Keller is 55 years old. And Brian Glover, despite looking like he could be a contemporary of him, is only 36. Early hair loss can do that to a man. Yeah, the comedy in this. Like a tactical strategy, yeah. I'd say. But Leon Arras... part. Yeah. Well, I don't know. His, his whole his strategy, for the most part, when he can control things, is to dodge Arras. Sometimes Arras is able to control him occasionally. Like, there are moments where, when Arras dominates. Like, Arras seems to have more of the control of the second round as opposed to Kelly, who most controls the first. It's not very clearly mapped out or anything. Like, nothing is working towards, like, a, a big countdown at the round's end or anything. They could be in the middle of a regular spot and the bell And ring. the, the round. You know? Yeah. But that's, that's very much like uh, how combat sports are. Well, actually, well, with boxing, maybe like you'd get an occasional flurry to try and win a round later on. But it, it feels more like a sporting contest because it's not choreographed well, to a round's like, conclusion. You've got the round system and everything like that. With this one, it's six rounds of five minutes each. It's basically two out of three falls yes. or first knockout. Or a knockout. So it's two pinfalls, two submissions, or one knockout. That was always the rules within... 
uh, yeah. British wrestling for the most part. Sometimes there'll be a one fall finish, but usually it was two out of three falls or one knockouts. What is funny watching it? Like I've always said, like when you look back at those British wrestling matches, for the most part, obviously it's all very technical and map based, and there's also just a snap and a sharpness really to everyone's movements and a logic to the locks. I, like an example I would give, I always said how much I loved when Doug Williams did this really simplistic bit where Jay Briscoe has him in an ankle hold. And so Doug Williams turns around, so he's sort of in a cartwheel position. Jay Briscoe still has hold of his foot. And so he takes his free foot, bends, presses it down on his knee, which brings the brings Jay Briscoe forward as he's holding onto the foot. And that brings him into perfect position for Doug Williams turning to a headlock. It's about yeah. this understanding of the manipulation, like joint manipulation, which is something you'll see at various points in the match as well. Uh, like they know the, the place to hold it in. Even Brian Glover with his nerve hold, where he's just sort of holding his shoulders, which was the, the rest hold of choice for Yokozuna, I remember, back in the day. With this, one of the best examples of that is that when he has Brian Glover in, in a hammerlock and then he's got him sort of in a pile driver position, Glover's head's between his legs, Aras is trying to backdrop him out. But what Kellett knows is that his feet will catch into Glover's legs. So Glover's ultimately blocking himself to prevent himself from completing the backdrop, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah, how, yeah. it's like kind of like how, um, you know, have you ever seen that Magic Trick Dynamo will do where he'll get someone who's obviously much stronger than him, but he's not able to get him to move him off his feet because he knows where to put his centre of balance or his centre of gravity, you know? Yeah, it's weight distribution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And turning their own weight against themselves as well. So, like, again, there's, like, an internal logic as to how the human body works. Whereas you look at, like, the Mexican match that we covered, it was more just... I guess choreographed is one way of putting it, but it was, like, something just they apply a submission hold and they hold on to it until they figure they're not going to get a submission out of it. Whereas yeah, and like, then they just well, let it go. You know, they call it, they call it a, you know, one of the pre expressions that's being used to describe it is chain wrestling, but I know that people like Johnny Saint don't like that term they because it suggests a choreographed nature to it yeah. he, he describes it as escapology you can see that in this that there are various points where they are using clever methods to escape hold how the first fall comes about it's like out i'm gonna use the word chain it's a chain sequence it's, though yeah a sequence not necessarily i think his argument is the chain thing like like one person doesn't move the other person doesn't move yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I guess you could argue, again, like a Lucha Libre example of that would probably be like the knuckle lock sequence that they'll very often do. But um, how Aris takes his position of control, he goes from a neck hold to a wrist hold and then manages to get like a... It's their, The roll-up's weird. It's not a roll-up that I'm used to. Um, so it's, it's weird to me, but it, it sort of like just holds him down rather than rolls yeah. him. Pins often are very similar to the ones that Bret Hart would do, where Bret Hart wouldn't hook the leg. Instead, he would press his hands against the arms. He would he'd be like yeah. lying across him, like crucifix style. And so one arm is theoretically covered by his legs being on top of them. And the other one, he's holding down with his hands on the wrist. Mm -hmm. Again, when they're kicking out, it's not like they're kicking their legs away. It is just lifting the shoulders up at some point. One of the eccentricities of British wrestling that's always difficult to get for me, when I watch it of this era, is the counting of the referee. They don't slap the mat when it's a one, two, three count. They're standing there. Yeah. And very often you can't hear the person over the fans cheering. So I don't know if it's been a pinfall or not sometimes. From a presentational point of view, 
it's not what we're used to. It's it's weirdly less visual. Mm. Like we don't have the referee going down to check the shoulders, as you say. Well, and... lad. I'm not sure if you would have got down. <laughs> he is. He's a stocky gent, bless him. The referee is again. He looks very like combat style, like he's doing a job as a sporting referee. Well, there's a consistency <laughs> to the counting. It's like you know, depending on whether the match needs to end on a count out or not in the WWE match, or even a New Japan match, sometimes the counting won't start until it's convenient or it'll be at a pace that allows them to do a count out pretty quickly. Whereas in this, the one, two, three, and and the ten count are very much at the same pace throughout it all, as you would expect in like a boxing match puts across the the sporting spectacle of it there is a playfulness and a humor but like you say it's mostly within the context of it being a sporting event but a sporting event between a mischievous character and a a blowhard right at the start Mm. you know the referee's giving them instructions and he's just bouncing up and down and what boy athletes stay i know the rules i know the rules and he's speaking throughout the whole match and getting on everyone's wick but in a very entertaining like again like a very pantomime way he does he plays his You'll not be making a monkey out of me, Kallet. You'll not be making a monkey yeah. out of me. <laughs> oh, what's the phrase he keeps saying? It's like, how about How's that then? about that then? Because he does do some yeah. good little roles. And at one point he does a cartwheel, which was very good. So it is that thing. Like, he obviously does have the ability. He's just got the, the incredible, e- annoying ego. You know, because there are moments when he does manage to dominate Kellett. Like, Kellett doesn't have an answer to him. Like, he just hits him yeah. with a series of quite hard uppercuts. European uppercuts that keeps on knocking Kellett down. The uppercuts are beautiful in this. and But also, he'll take the shortcuts, like the, the, the Battle of the Bandage. Yes, well, that's reminiscent of the Buddy Rogers Luthez thing we were seeing, where in that one, he was using it to do a closed fist to the face. But what they do yeah. in this is that he's using that bandage to rake it across the eyes of Kellett throughout the whole match, until Kellett's finally able to get it off of him. And briefly gives him... No, the, the, they be, they work the crowd expertly, though. The way they built that spot up and the pop he gets when he gets hold of the bandage. Yeah. Both men do really well here and they play their roles expertly. I, I'll be honest, like, when I first saw clips of, not this match, but, like, World of Sport in general, I, I didn't really, like, take to it. But this match, I really like this match. It was well, a lot think, of fun. Like I said, it's because it has that familiar British humour to it, especially that seaside pantomime feel mm. you can absolutely see brian glover uh leon Arras in a panto and he probably did i'm sure he did do panto he definitely done panto and yeah. just and brilliant but fantastic timing as well like when he, get, he goes for a knuckle lock he says let's see how strong you are Kellett. and then he immediately falls to his knees because kelly immediately yeah. overpowers him crowds is in on it like i said like a pantomime i think the crowd very much know, you know there's always a thing oh do they know it's real i think the crowd knows that it's a, a show but they want to be part of the show just like you know when mm. you're at the panto you know that they know the things behind them <laughs> but you go along with it they it go is... along with it dare we say the suspension of disbelief mm. the other funny thing about Kellett is that he was this beloved comedy character but they even allude to this in commentary he was the most feared figure backstage. Everyone was terrified of him. And everyone <laughs> said how much of a nasty bastard he was. But also just how tough he was as well. There's a story yeah. of like his boot being filled with blood or something like that and him not acknowledging it. 
or him like resting his arm on a radiator I think I might be mixing this up and just not even acknowledging how hot it was or anything like that and that he was just this nasty angry piece of work that if he didn't like you it's kind of like the stories for him are kind of the stories for Andre the Giant if he didn't like you there was nothing you could do and I think you see a brief moment of that maybe in this match when suddenly towards the end Kellett stops the comedy and puts him in this leg lock that looks nasty as fuck. Like he knows exactly what to do to make that painful. Is it that sort of like spinning one it was towards the of, end? It was sort of like a sharpshooter setup, but he was really cranking yeah. on the ankles. And they were calling it a Ah, thing. yes, yes. Right, I, I remember the one you're on about now, yeah. Oh, the spinning one's earlier on, but um, even that looks nasty. He looks like... Now, Brit... Um, I, I am like obviously appealing to like British people here, but oh well, but any country has like a stereotypical person when you look at them and you like they don't look like much, but you know they're hard. Mm. And Kelly very much like fits that description the way he looks. Yeah, and Aris too as well. To be fair, they're both men you'd find in a pub and be like, yeah, yeah. not gonna like irk them. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're old, they've they've got that. Yeah, they've got calcium in those joints. You know, you know mm-hmm. if they grip you, they're not letting go. <laughs> yeah, and everywhere has that those those sort of like old men who you don't know why. Well, it's a lifetime of working class, probably being either in a factory or in the shipyards or yeah. in the docks, where they've got to grab things all day, mm. and they do have to have a fight at the pub every night. You know. But like, but when you first come across them, you you can't put your finger on why you think it, but you know for a fact they could batter you. Yeah, but I I made that assumption on ninety five percent of all people. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hit the weights a bit more, you'd be all right. <laughs> Kelly has his regular spots. Like if you watched a few of his matches, there are certain things he likes to do. Very often with that referee, actually. So I don't know if that was like you know. Like, Rick Flair with um, Tommy Young or something like that, but he was he was the guy that knew these spots because there's like one bit where he says something to the ref and the ref sells it like he suddenly had spit in his eye. Yeah, and Kellett does this sort of oh I'm so sorry contrite look to the crowd, but he doesn't really mean it. You know, <laughs> he does pull a great gurning sort of Les Dawson face at various points. Yeah. because he oh, doesn't say that much. much. He's a lot more soft spoken. You do hear him at one point at the start. Where he just says to Leon after Leon's doing all these posing, and I was about that. And he's like, "Don't be so daft, all right. Just calm down." One of the books I read about the British wrestling scene, the, the author was like, "Oh, I loved him so much as a kid. He made me laugh so much." And then just him finding out he was a bastard. <laughs> he was awful. It's an absolute shit, like shit house backstage. Mm. He's one of those people, I think, where. Like you could see him equally be that like kindly granddad, but he could all as I, as I say he could also wreck you. It, yeah. it, it's he's a man of all seasons, yeah. or he comes he comes across as such. And again, I it comes across as he's not doing the comedy because he's an inherently silly man, but he's doing it because he's a very clever man who's using the comedy to sort of unsettle Aris. Well, that's what that's why I always thought you could make the kayfab argument for figures like him and Colt Cabana. That they use it as a means, like almost like a drunken master style. It's a means of discombobulating your opponents and making them not take you seriously, and then you find your opportunity. Toriano, you know, he always picks up a win or two in in the G1 climax that 
he doesn't necessarily deserve, you know like there been this whole thing with Toriyano that he was a constant thorn in um, Minoru Suzuki's side. <laughs> Yeah, because he would just always find a way to beat him, which and, drove and so, drove him mad no end. And so that's why, like with Colt Cabana, very often he will win with a pinning combination. He'll catch him in the right moment with a folding press, or, or you know, the, the Superman move, or something like that. Yeah, he's got that, that and, Superman pull-up thing, hasn't he? Yeah, and that'll be the thing with Keller as well. He will suddenly catch them with a, a you know, he catches Aras with a roll-up because he does a necktie move where he does a wind-up and kicks him in the back. Which was almost like a precursor to the Paradise Lock thing, in a way. Yeah. The drop kick in the butts. Because he's got him in a necktie. So, again, there's there's always a, a physical logic to why this person's in the situation that they're in. Mm. He gets him in the necktie and kicks him. And then he tempts Aras into trying to do the same thing in his anger. Ducks it. Momentum takes him over. He basically does the classic crawl, be on all fours behind someone and trips them up and gets them into a roller. It's then, just so smooth and sleek, though, the way he does it. It's, it's yeah. lovely. So it's always that whole thing. Aris is, has been trying to bully him, but Kellett flusters him at various points, and it's that flustering that is his undoing each time. The, for the finish of the match, where he, Irish whips him into the corner, Kellett takes a bump, and it tempts Aris into trying to do a double stomp. But Kellett sees it coming, kicks him up in the air, that sends him to the outside. Aris is all kinds of discombobulated, and he runs back into the ring, runs into a backdrop, and Kellett pins him for the three, and wins it in the fifth round. It's a great sequence, the closing sequence. Yeah, like, yeah. It's the whole less is more thing because Aris ends up on the outside of the ring. Like, like, adds a real sense of shock and danger. Yeah, yeah, it's such a rare situation. sight. And he doesn't even like end up land on the floor. He's just bre- Well, he lands on the commentator's desk and they're pushing yeah. him back into the ring. And he's so completely flustered that that leaves him susceptible to be caught. And that's what wins Kel at the match. It has that sort of feel of when a boxer falls out the ring. Yeah, yeah. Like, not when they get knocked out of the ring with a punch, yeah. but when they like, like, slip through the ropes. Well, like you say, it's such a rare occurrence that it stands out, you know? Yeah. And he's got but a race when a to dog get back gets into the, the ring to pitch. avoid the count out. Because the it's not going to be a slow count either. No. So that was the match. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Maybe it repeats itself a little bit, but yeah. it's still very entertaining. Like, there's only so many times I can take Kellett sort of dodging the punch, bouncing against it and, you know, taking the momentum. But seeing both guys just perform so well, like, Brian Glover is such a fun, comedic heel. Yes. I mean, because of the weight advantage as well, but he's got that legitimacy behind him, though. He's not, like, just a a comedic heel who, like, he is the, he is the jock. He is yeah. the jock that gets, like, he's the biff. Yeah, like if he weren't so so up himself, he might have won this match. Frail ego, I guess, really, because he keeps trying to show off, and then whenever he's shown up, he automatically is like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. You know, Like I said, it's the schoolmaster being made fun of in Kess. By the cheeky kid, yeah. By the cheeky kid. It's just William. But it's just about the end of that one for me. There are other Les Kelly matches out there, so I definitely want to pick another one maybe in the future or you can f- maybe do a bit of searching for yourself obviously there are other figures from this period i'd like to talk about johnny saint mick mcmanus i think we definitely need to do big daddy giant haystacks at some point oh mark rollable rocco is definitely one i'd like to cover as well but i thought les kelly was a good starting point i think if people want to be entertained and see what maybe comedy wrestling that maybe even jim Cornette would be okay with because it doesn't shatter any sort of illusions of reality within this world just about, you know, it yeah. remains a sporting contest throughout. Um, but it sort of fits within its atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always like to cite there's a, there's an Egyptian tennis player who does the seniors tour and uh, so good. Yeah, 
And so he's still trying to win those games, but he's also looking to entertain the crowd as well. Oh, what is his name? He's going to bother me. But um, if, you do, if, you do like a, if you do a Google search, you'll find him. Yeah. Like, Egyptian tennis player funny, yeah. you'll find it. And, but he's got all these clever moves, and like I said, with Kellett, he's got the clever moves as well. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's me for this one. Have you got anything else you'd like to add to this? No, no, except uh, this is like World of Sport I'd quite enjoy watching. Maybe not so much Big Daddy, but I think we kind of need it for... Historical context, yeah. Simon, what we'll be doing now for your pick? We're back in the States. Different promotion, We are. Though. We're going a bit extreme. A guy I've been into, uh, like, just had a little bit of a... Uh, I get into, like, little moods with certain wrestlers every now and again. And I'm on a little bit of a, a Taz kick right now. So we're going to watch Taz take on Bam Bam Bigelow. At Heatwave 1998. For the FTW Championship. The F the World title. Mm. Not for the win. What we are is for the win as far as podcasts go. If we've won your listens and your likes and your recommendations, well, why not send us a, a tweet or a like or a message through some forms of social media communication? Simon, how can they do so for you? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the letters in FTW. My name's Lorcan Munn, and that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Aras, N for the N at the end of Leon Do you know why he's called Leon Aras, by the way? No. He was on a, a card, and this French wrestler they they had to come over called Leon Aras hadn't turned up, so they said, oh, you be him. They won't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, Lorcamon's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you put that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYSpod is also our Twitter handle. But there's nothing left to say at this point, uh, I think, except that my name's Lorcamon. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time.